Hey guys, this is Mark Owings, and I'm your host for the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we have real, raw, and unreligious conversation to encourage and challenge men and women in their daily lives. Well, I'm super excited again that Rebecca Hardy has come back from Texans Vaccine Choice to come back, and you know, we just had so much fun last week with this, and you've come back again, and we landed on some things about the church what's going on. So I wanted to, I wanted you to have a whole nother session of just educating. Cause I think people are getting educated as we talk and I just want to give you the floor, help us ask any questions, tell us anything you want to. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's your, it's your podcast. You are unbridled born. The power. <laughs> well, I think something that we, that I would love to, to talk about is just the church's response during COVID just from the gate, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know about y'all, but for the very first, you know, couple of weeks, I'll even give it two months. I think we were all willing to be team players here. We didn't know what right. this was. It was yeah. brand new. We were willing to just kind of step back and see at what was going on. Just, you know, our, you know, yeah, just how deadly is this going to be? We didn't know. It was a novel, novel virus, right? But very quickly, it was very evident, at least to those of us that had eyes to see, that this was not the, the the generational killer that they were making it out to be, especially with the children. It was very clear that they, for whatever reason, were pretty much impervious to infection completely. And so it was, for me, I mean, it's one thing, you, I don't expect governments that by and large are not you know, godly institutions, you know, I don't expect them to have godly responses to much, right? Yeah. But when it comes to the church, you know, I felt like this was a moment. This was a moment for the church to look different than the world, different from the governments. And by and large, and I know there were some holdouts that were amazing. But yeah. I, so I'm just speaking in generalities. The church epically failed. You know, when we had governments in, you know, trying to just keep citizens in this constant state of fear, the church by and large was complicit. And this was our moment. This was our moment as as the body of Christ to look different, to preach faith over fear. Right. And instead, they went along. They shuttered their doors. We didn't have Easter in 2020. Yeah. Mm. It's mind-blowing that they would, uh, that the church would, would just fold like that over a disease. I mean, I read my Bible, and I my Bible says that Jesus went and broke bread with the lepers. Come I, he wasn't masking up and putting on full blown <laughs> hazmat suits to do so. I mean, these the Bible times were not they were they were they were time they knew these were epidemics were common, yes. you know, and they knew how to handle these and knew proper disease you know spread mitigation efforts. This was not a new thing for them, and to have. You know, Jesus giving the most beautiful example of caring for the sick, treating the sick, you know, mind, body, and soul. Absolutely. And then instead, the church shut their doors and played along. And it just broke my heart. I mean, I, I shared with you earlier, my family went to, we. I mean, we changed churches twice during the, the epidemic and or the, the pandemic. And we, you know, we are a family that firmly believes in church family when I mean, we are not church hoppers. Mm -hmm. And yet here we were found in this position of, you know, 
like the church we had been going to for about five years, not only did they shut down for much longer than any of the other surrounding churches, but when they did open back up, you had to get a ticket for Sunday church. And, you know, it was this whole online reservation form for your, and then apparently I never participated in that nonsense. I mean, we still was, we were watching online from home because I was like, I'm not going because apparently I was told by somebody that when you showed up to church, you would give them their last name and they would take you to your seats that were labeled with your name, completely isolated from anybody else. They were doing all this, you know. Uh, Six foot distance. Yes. All fear based. Yes. And they even posted on Instagram this picture of one of the pastors with this big plastic backpack on going up and down the seat, spraying God knows what on all of the seats. I mean, these are round up. These are not people that are trained in disease mitigations. And I'm like, what kind of dilution did they use in that? Whatever's in that backpack, you know? And they were doing this to show like how great of Christians they were that they were hosing down all the seats and spreading them out and all this. And I was thinking, this is the most unbiblical thing I can think of to need a ticket for church. Can you imagine the, 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 the villagers coming for the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus at the entrance saying, where's your ticket? Right. You know, or, oh, and do you have the additional meal ticket? Because we're about to do something special later on. I mean, it's it's just absurd to think that you need a a ticket to go hear the word of God and to worship the Lord. What is so bizarre about this? And and uh, two parts, you know, because I th- I think people are like, well, if they did, they didn't have COVID, they didn't have the news. I think that we there needs to be accountability in journalism brought back. We we've we've got tell a vision that was created by government, and they're telling their vision. And we bought into it. For me, I need to answer that question open and honestly. Like, I told our staff, hey, we're going to walk. My whole life, I've walked in disobedience. And I was rebellious. I I, I just, I, I wanted to comply to honor. And I think about three or four months in, I started going, wait a minute. This is a control mechanism. And I began to pray. And I felt like the Lord told me, Mark, there's something on the backside of this. The data that was collected during this test cycle, because this is a test cycle, let's make one thing. This is not Rebecca saying this is a man-made disease 100%. I don't care where it came from. Man did it. There's greed behind it. But I have to answer the question I think I epically felt of not standing up quicker and then start understanding it. And by the time I did, what I was told by other ministers is, Mark, you're too loud which I've heard my entire life. You're too loud. You're a bull in a china shop. It sounds like hate. And we need to, we need to honor people. And there came a time where I just said, I'm not wearing my mask. And I was nice. And people would say, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to apply. Thank you so much. And walk out. We started standing up. But I think that it is a really good question for all of us to ask, and I, maybe I can ask this to other from the mega church to the little hundred pastor church. What did we do? What did we learn? Because let me tell you, you've lost your mind if you don't think they're coming back with something else. And I, I think 2024 is just going to be a very interesting year, and we, we see that Democrats and Republicans are at war. And I don't want to be at war with that, but I, do, I am at war with darkness. 
And I think we need to answer that question. We did epically fail you. We epically failed the sheep. We we failed to to listen to God. When I look back at the Spanish flu, there were ministers opening up their churches and many of them gave their life for them. Then I think back of Jesus's time and you're like, well, he didn't have what we had. No, they had flesh rotting disease called leprosy where people were walking around and there were laws, strict laws, and Jesus broke the law. Touched the leper reached out, brought healing. And instead, our hands were taken away, our facial expressions were taken away, and our faith was taken away. Now, I don't want to go crazy, but I do want to learn. I want to encourage the church in this, and I want to encourage myself. So, Rebecca, I think my answer is I failed you. And I, I don't know why other than I was trying, I was confused, and but that's not going to happen again. And I want to get some leaders on to ask this question. Especially, I watched big mega churches that are leaders that not only shut down, stated openly at the very front, we're shut down for two years. I thought, my God, that did not take long. And we're going to learn really quickly in the 501c sector world, especially specifically in church, they're going to come after that to mandate that, to muzzle you. That is in Canada. We watch people being arrested for their faith simply by opening the doors. And if it's happening there, it's happening here. And how quickly people got taken away. I, I, I don't know what to say other than I'm sorry and I ask for forgiveness. Well, um, you are forgiven. Wow, <laughs> yes. And you know, I, it's just one of those things where, I mean, what is it going to take to wake the church up? I mean, I will tell you just very personally, our impetus for leaving that one church that, I mean, I told you a little bit of that story, but what caused me to kind of slam the laptop down the one Sunday that we were still watching from home in December of 2020 was, and he wasn't, that pastor was not the only one I, I, I saw this from is, you know, the Sunday after the, that emergency use authorization was granted on those vaccines, we had pastors across America, you know, preaching this pharmaceutical right on their sheep on their congregants and you know they're in this day and age mm. of information when we see for the first time in modern history this fast-tracked you know shoddy science you know all of this just i mean by that time mo- a lot more people i'm not going to say it was a tsunami or anything but a lot more people were awake to the agenda because it was you know, that whole thing with the EUA, it was, we have to suppress all treatments because there's this mechanism in the EUA codes that say, if there's viable treatments, then the EUA cannot be granted. And that is why we saw the suppression of all of those viable treatments for COVID because they had to hold out until those vaccines were available. And then it was, oh, God's gift to humanity was these, were these COVID vaccines. And, you know, I, I just, it's frustrating with you know, that me as a non-clergy could see this happening. And I get it. I eat, sleep, and breathe this issue, yep. right? But for pastors that are supposed to be, you know, have some, you know, that closeness. some Guidance to, from God. Yes, that wisdom. Absolutely, Sarah. It's just, it was so frustrating. And we had pastors getting up from pulpits, promoting these for-profit, liability-free, fast-tracked, 
experimental jabs. And it was just, where is your discernment? Where are you? You are telling these sheep to get this. And now we have seen the devastation of these shots. There's got to be accountability for them. And to your point where you say, what are we going to do next time? Let's be clear. There will be a next yes, time. Good. They're already, that's the the great thing about the other side is they do forecast. If you want, listen to what they say, they tell you what they're going to do. So we know it's not a matter of if, but when the next pandemic, the next, the next whatever is coming. And what are we as society, as, as the body of Christ going to do? And I, and I understand the predicament of wanting to, to comply because we weren't sure. And because, you know, there is this you know, we as believers, we believe in authority structures Absolutely. and such. But when our governments that are wholly ungodly are dictating these things, then, you know, disobedience, we are compelled to that. All right. That's what the Constitution says. Yes. And I, 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 I want to speak to my fellow clergy out there. Listen, you know, I probably went three or four months in this, and I had a word from God in 2018 that I released in January. At the click of the clock, 2020, your world will change. Mark, around the globe, you will see things that you've never seen in your lifetime. So I think I, I paused and I wanted to do that. And there's no shame. And listen, you know, all you mavericks out there that it's like, man, I didn't do anything good for you. But I think one of the things that we could take away from this is humble ourselves and just own, okay, we learn from it, but it's coming again. That was the first wave. And I waited probably three months longer than I should have. Uh, but I, there needs to be a plan in place. And what I want to encourage you is maybe you're supposed to go and ask your pastor or ask the elder board what their contingency plan is for crisis. Would they ever shut down the church again? Because I, I'm going to tell you, that's one of the things I, I, I too was looking at this. Our church didn't personally shut down. They were going through it. We kept going, but we were limited. We were still doing this six feet and all this thing, and I just felt like all I saw was six, 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 six every time I turned around, which is an interesting number if you start playing with that. I don't want to be a conspiracy, but it could have been five feet, which would have been grace. But no, it was six everywhere I turned. And I, I, I want to encourage you. We're living in a time that I prayed for since I got saved off of drugs. I wanted, I wanted to be a part of something that was great. I wanted to do the stuff. I wanted to do what was written in the Bible. Well, God has prepared us. They did a test run on us, but we also got to learn. And how are we going to band together? When are we going to stand up, preach the streets? When are we going to go to jail for the gospel? When are we going to say, no, it doesn't matter the cost of, of, of people coming at you. And I've made that decision personally. And so you, you've posed a really good question, Rebecca. I want to invite some pastors on that did and didn't. During that time, I got passionate with a group of pastors out of Florida, and I said, guys, we can't be cowards. And they took it like I was calling them cowards. I was like, no, I feel cowardly, but I didn't know what to do. And so every time we did stand up, they would say that was hate. Well, right now, it's not hate. It's truth in love. And I think we do got to stand up. So you've encouraged us. You've kind of brought a message that needs to be heard. What I don't understand that I want to ask churches, why why aren't you bringing in organizations like this and educating the body of Christ, the sheep in which we're called to equip? Right. 
and or and tackling the tough issues from the pulpit. I mean, the the tiptoe around these. I mean, I just look around. I mean, this is why we landed at our church is that he's a very bold pastor that hasn't fallen into that same like, oh, we have to tiptoe around these culture issue, cultural issues. I mean, and I know, I mean, I spend a lot of time at the Capitol. I see, you know, the, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the nastiness, right? But, you know, even the a non-political person can see that the fiber of our society, the cultural downfall is here. I mean, we have we are. boys that don't know their boys. We have girls that don't know their That's girls. It. We have, we you know, we, there's so many issues. That, Spirit of confusion. Yes, and they're mm-hmm. tackling the family. I mean, that family is truly what they're they're going for. And it's to not, to continue that little little dance around these issues is just doing a tremendous disservice to to the church. So what would you say to the church member that says, man, I don't want to get involved in politics. I don't think the church is about politics. Well, I would just tell anyone, believer or not, I would say, but even more so for the Christian, like, you may not be interested or care about politics, but I'll tell you, politics cares about every single aspect of your life, whether you think they are or not, those yahoos are down in austin or whatever state capital you live in or in dc they're they are making and passing laws that directly impact your life you know i like i said it just took that one bill back in 2015 to wake me up and then it was oh my word the amount of influence big pharma has in these state legislatures is truly mind-blowing and that doesn't i mean that's not just with the vaccines i mean it goes to so many of the other, you know, medical procedures we're seeing trying to be pushed and such. Yeah. And so, yeah, to the Christian, I would say, you know, my Bible says we've got to get involved, you know, in every aspect of our society. And, you know, not everybody can be a goer. You know, I get that. I mean, the whole system, let's be clear, the whole system in these state legislatures is truly set up against the citizen. And that's why I feel like organizations like Texans for Vaccine Choice, or if you're not interested in, you know, vaccine choice politics, find an organization that is in the lane that, you know, is the issue that you're most important with. There, there, There is an organization that's doing the hard work on your issue, I promise, wherever you live. And so, you know, lock arms with them. If you can't be a goer to the Capitol, well, then be a sender, be a mm. prayer, be a, well, I will make sure Fun. I follow... Every single act alert. I mean, that's what kind of what Sarah has been, you know, one of these. She can't go. She's got young kids at home. But by golly, she can call every every time we send out an, an act alert. She can right. go meet her state representative. She can, you know, buy somebody's tank of gas to get to Austin or whatever. So there is a role for everyone. And I think that's something that TFEC specifically does very well. We have a whole handout called find your role and it lists probably i don't know over 50 ways of what you can do and it moves the needle every how would someone get that pamphlet it is on our website and what is your website it is texansforvaccinechoice.com okay yes so she brought up a good point and you know i've I've pondered this a lot I, i have a lot of grief over this i looked at the church when the overturn in abortion wasn't really celebrated in the church across America. It was, and I actually heard people say, I don't want that to be talked in the pulpit. We should just be talking about the word of God. And that's some young people around me. 
which means their parents didn't do their job of educating them. And they really believe that politics means policy and the church is supposed to be the forefront of setting policies from heaven. Listen, God's got a government. If I'm passionate about anything, it's government and governing that comes from the kingdom of heaven. There is order in heaven and it is for the betterment of God's sons and daughters. But I think we didn't just mix on miss on COVID. We missed on not standing in. We had people that were prophets and prayer warriors that prayed for 30 years to overturn this. And what happened, where was the church in all this? And again, I think we've got... Great point. Yeah. And I, and I again, we get, we get upset in the church about homosexuality or gender, but where's the holiness message in there to our young kids that are going to college? I had a son that went to college. I'm, listen, I'm not pretending he did everything perfect because he did not. But where's the message? And I never quit the message of truth, but I kept love up. And I'm saying we need to come back into the pulpits, back to truth, back to love, back to being proactive. And let's take our country back, not so it can be Republican or Democrat. Let's set policies that are related and based upon the Bible, not based upon what you think. What you think is what got us into this mess. And every American, you have an opinion and you go to work. Let me tell you, it's coming for you. I don't want to scare you. I want to wake you up. You think you're going to put your head in the sand, live off your 401k and your finances. Let me tell you something. Guys, we're coming to a time that that is not the currency we will live off. The currency will be faith again. The currency will be trust again. But God has given us another chance of how we can be proactive on that. I want to circle back, Sarah. I think you had a question on the first time we were on about vaccines, and it got me really interested about do vaccines really make us healthy or going the route of no vaccine? Right, right. So my question is, what what is one what is one of the biggest like deceptions of vaccines? You know, because we're told that this is something that's going to keep you healthy and it's going to prevent disease. It's going to stop, you know, a disease from from happening to you. So are we believing the big lie? Is this true? Or is it or is it helping anyone? That is a great question. I think one of the biggest misconceptions that or this deceptions that big pharma tells people is that you know, without these vaccines, your child will die. The amount of pediatricians that I have been told say this to parents is absurd and that they're that they are completely safe for all people all the time. I mean, let's let's line up 100 people with strep throat. We've got from the six pound baby to the 400 pound linebacker from all walks of life, you know, both genders. And yes, there's only two. No, (laughs) you know, All races, you know, all backgrounds, you would not, if they all had strep throat, you would not prescribe the same penicillin prescription to that six-pound baby to the 400-pound linebacker. You just wouldn't. Well, first of all, probably 10% are allergic to penicillin and would drop dead. You know, you also wouldn't give the 400-pound linebacker the same dosage of penicillin as the six-pound baby. You wouldn't. But yet, that's what they do with vaccines. That, that, That same vaccine that the linebacker gets is the same vaccine as the six pound baby there's no you know iteration of of that crazy yes it is and also we're not doing any sort of 
susceptibility screening to to injuries. And what does that mean? Like any sort of pre-screening. I mean, th this is technology and advancements that is horribly needed. You know, there we know you you can go get a genetic profile and see if you have some markers for cancer. The, the, these are areas that we could that the that would be ripe for medical experimentation and advancements and studies on. Okay. Vaccines do injure some. Let's figure out what population might be most susceptible. Right. But yet that is never done because the the drumbeat that is that is hit is they are always safe for all people all the time. But no other medicine is considered that way. Right. Right. You know, if it's this, not consistent with science or any other medication. That is exactly right. I mean, it's this cookie cutter medicine that really only applies to vaccines. We wouldn't give all, you know, 50 men that are in front of me with high blood pressure, the same medication. We just wouldn't, we don't do that with any other medication or, you know, medical procedure even. They all come with risks. You know, even that Advil or the Tylenol, I mean, they all come with risks. And, but yet these vaccines get a pass for being completely risk-free, which could not be further from the truth. Con vaccine injury is not some conspiracy theory. We have an entire federal program set up to compensate a victims of vaccine injury. And this is a taxpayer-funded program. To date, the fund has been has paid out about five billion with a B dollars in vaccine injuries, injury claims. What I want to be sure I get out though is that. The studies regarding just how many vaccine injuries are compensated, it all goes back to this reporting system that is used. It's called VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And various studies have studied just how good of a job that VAERS does capturing the actual vaccine injury rate. And it's been estimated that anywhere between just 1% to 10% of the actual injuries are ever reported through VAERS. Right. And so let's even be generous and give them, seed them the 10% rate. Okay. Well, even fewer than those are actually ever compensated. But let's pretend that all 10% are, are compensated. That 5 billion then represents just a small drop in the bucket of what the actual compensatable vaccine injuries are in our nation. And, and that, and you said, you said this is taxpayer funded. So this is not the pharmaceutical companies that are compensating the injured families. This is, I'm a taxpayer. I get injured by a vaccine. My own taxes come back to, you know, hopefully if I'm one of those very lucky 1% that got reported and then got, and what was the actually got compensated right. too. I mean, in right. that, and let's be clear, this I mean, I, I do believe that the original intent of the that vaccine injury compensation program, BICP, the, 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 the beginnings were very noble. Just like I've, I firmly believe that the beginnings of vaccination yeah. were very noble. You know, these nobody, nobody set out to create the monster that it is currently. Right. But it was supposed to be this very quick, no-fault process to get compensated. I mean, the federal go government were, was like, well, we're going to remove liability from the vaccine manufacturers. Well, what are we going to do about the vaccine injured? I mean, it wasn't even controversial to say that. If it was, well, we need to have some sort of mechanism to compensate. And they created this program. And But it has, I know it's going to be a shocker to your listeners, but 
this government program is no longer efficient. <laughs> uh, right. I know. What a what a wow, what a shocker. Uh, you know, what a shocker, right? But it is it is just I mean, I've heard nightmare stories from families trying to get navigate yeah. that compensation program. It is it is a gross misservice to every American the way this is set up. And to your point though, I mean if you, it is taxpayer funded. I mean, they, when I say they removed liability, they removed all of the financial incentive to make safe and effective products. And that's what you, Texan for Vaccine Choice are trying to pass bills that either counteract bad bills or get good bills. That's the real goal, right? I, I want to quit playing defense. I'm ready to score some touchdowns Amen. for the team. And so Sarah's question is, hey, guys, they lied to us. And number one, it's not a vaccine by definition. It's just simply not. COVID vaccine is not a vaccine, but they've sold it as a vaccine. And we also need to get educated in this. The information she just gave, there is so much more into this. But Sarah brought up a good point, and you're you're validating this. This isn't accountability uh, by our representatives, our senators, our government, or the pharma companies, this is, we're paying for this. And people are having to go to war and go through it that are real lives, real children. I hear all the statistics of, man, you know, we would have died if we didn't take COVID shot. Well, I didn't take a COVID shot. I didn't die. I had it three times and it was like the flu. And I have a question for you because it was real interesting to me that the flu mysteriously left us <laughs> and, and like crazy. everyone in the church fell for it. Like, yeah, it's like, well, I have another quit. And all of a sudden Al Qaeda just, because maybe they got COVID too, they just laid down and they don't want to come attack us because they're sick too. Where did these two great threats go? Mm. And where did flu now flu's back? So was the flu still operating? Yes, the flu was the flu never went away. Let's be clear. Okay. <laughs> Those PCR tests were pretty much picking up any sort of viral remnant in the the nasal cavity and the, just everything got labeled COVID and it yeah, we could camp there is for that a, long a time. Is that a pretty big percentage? Well, like even the number of cases that they say are COVID or even the deaths possibly that weren't related to COVID, they could have been related to the flu? I mean, I think these are statistics that we will likely never have because oh. they will likely never tell the truth on this. But they're buried. Yes, exactly. But when you lump in, you know, what I did, you know, just anecdotally here was if you came into the hospital with, you know, anything, I mean, you were basically just labeled COVID. And it's, you know, it, it was just a absurdity. Well, then that goes back to money too, because we know that hospitals were compensated greatly for COVID cases. Absolutely. They got money for every positive case. They got money for every patient that was ventilated. I mean, we learned very quickly. Listen to what she just said. They got paid to ventilate people. And then that, what, what is the drug? Remdesivir. And that was such a gangbuster positive thing, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It <laughs> was actually like, Are you serious? <laughs> no. No, it actually killed people and 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 dropped them and we knew there were stats on that. Mm-hmm. And we just kept moving again our hospitals were paid to ventilate people. 
government, all these different things. So this is a time for us to really wake up, pray, stand, ask questions, push back. We have friends and family members right now, the newborn babies, that it was really hard to go find a doctor who would take you because you weren't taking vaccinations. That's the first time we learned that. I I think there's going to be some lawsuits coming down the pike against organizations that are discriminating. We talk a lot in our country about discrimination, but that's pretty crazy because there's no stats that Sarah's family has made her school more sicker. As a matter of fact, it's better, probably. So I have one last question for you ladies is, what is herd immunity? Does it work? Is it real? What is it and what it's not? Do you want to take that, Sarah? Okay, so I will tell you what I know, maybe from a layman's terms, and then we'll let the expert weigh in if I get it right or wrong. So herd immunity is a term that is used to talk about how when a lot of people have experienced a certain virus, have gotten sick from a certain virus, and then they get immune to that virus. So think of all the kids that got chicken pox in your class, right? So now as at your third grade class is herd immune to chicken pox, right? So the problem comes in when we talk about herd immunity as related to vaccines, because you don't accomplish that as well with a vaccine or an artificial immunity. That was excellent. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the the origins of herd immunity were observed just really on farms when they saw, you know, diseases go through, you know, herds of cattle and such. And that they were like, huh, when that happens, then the entire herd is then protected from future outbreaks. And even the, the babies are, mm-hmm. are protected. And they have kind of universally applied this theory that was observed in animals to vaccination in humans. And, you know, it's 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 really interesting that they do that because most vaccine induced immunity, you know, let's be clear. Let's before I proceed with that sentence, let's just say not everybody that's vaccinated confers immunity. I mean, they keep injecting, but it's not a guarantee that you actually produce that immune response. But of course, it's always assumed that you do. But we have anywhere between 10 to 20 percent of our population that are considered non responders. So that blows a herd immunity kind of out of the water. Yeah. This, this vaccine-based herd immunity out of the water because even if every single person took it, we would have this chunk of people that simply do not respond. And I have heard as well that, and again, I am, I'm going to say this factually, I'm not here to shame anyone, mm. that, you know, as that a lot of people that are obese are also very like the the more you weigh the less the more likely you are to be a non-responder and again that kind of goes into what i was saying earlier i think it was last week about you know the entire covid response was truly to keep people sicker you know right. I mean, we're not encouraging exercise we weren't encouraging sunlight, sunlight. we weren't in, we were encouraging door dashing god yep. knows what and so we have you know, even more people that are just more ill and heavier. And this, so this is actually going to tie into this herd immunity argument or discussion that we're having right now. So we have this, this idea that, you know, if we inject everybody, they will be, we'll, we'll all be protected because we'll have herd immunity. Well, that non-responder piece is a factor, but then 
also, I mean, let's just think about this. If I mean, I have this paper in front of me right now that has the current CDC schedule on it. The vast majority of adults have not had a vaccine in decades. I haven't. I know. I mean, I think the the five in, adults in this room. No shingle shot, no nothing. Right. I mean, we haven't. I mean, I think my last vaccine was probably when I was 12. And I'm not going to age myself, but let's just say it was decades. She's younger than me, trust me. <laughs> By a hair. So, but if the entire adult population has not complied with the current CDC schedule, there is no herd. Mm -hmm. There simply is no herd. This entire concept is bogus because we just, we simply do not have a herd. And also- I want to be clear though, you're talking about a vaccine herd immunity. Correct. Right. Correct. Not, not natural. natural disease induced. So what yes. she just said, and I heard it again, I want you to hear it, is- if we complied to what CDC said and did vaccine herd immunity and we all got our shots, there's 20 or 25% of them that would be- 10 to 20. 10 to 20%. Yeah, it depends on the shot. That would, wouldn't would fit. So it sounds like there's a mandate. So the, the Food and Drug Administration passes all kinds of, let me just say it, crap that are killing us, food. It's almost like they want us a little sick just so we stay a- a monthly subscriber to pharma. That is a great point. I mean, the entire industry is really set up to have a captive consumer base. Mm. You know, there's no profits in a healthy society. Therefore, bye-bye big pharma if we're all healthy. There's also no profits in a dead population. Where that sweet spot is, is keeping us all customers for life. So whether... We have the mm. FDA that's approving that. I mean, there's essentially, to your point, no food in our food anymore mm. in America. That is a huge piece. We have, you know, water supplies that are contaminated. We have our air that, you know, who knows what they're spraying in it. Yep. And then we have these vaccines that do injure. I mean, and you should see the statistics on the COVID vaccines. I mean, I was just looking at this bar chart that showed, you know, Prior to COVID, you know, how many VAERS reports are submitted in a given year? And it kind of stays relatively low and steady throughout the years. And then it just skyrockets the, the second that those COVID jabs came on the market. And it's just, and yet we're still, I mean, this, the, the data is there. You can see it with your own eyes. And yet we still have the talking heads saying, get your shots, get your boosters, safe and effective. And it's just... When are they going to give it up? <laughs> oh, so I, I, Leslie and I have talked a lot. My mom, her parents, and and Leslie and I got broke very early. Leslie went through a postpartum, a very severe case. One in about 10 million women go through. It's called postpartum psychosis. And it was very clear she needed an advocate, and she would have fallen into the cracks. Her mom, dad, my mom, my dad, in that generation— they don't mean to, and they can't hear me, and they listen to my show, they know I love them, but they can't hear that that there is this worship of white coats, mm. and I do not have the worship of white coats. All science is birthed out of the truth of God and found in the word of the Lord, but what would you say now to people who said, well, it's my doctor. Yeah. I have preacher friends who got the jab who are really having problems from eyesight to heart to this. And I tell them, hey, listen, God's big enough to heal all that. Amen. Hear me. 
I want to pray at the end of this. If you got a jab and you're afraid, look, you don't need to be afraid. God is above. I, I, I took more things and put them into my body that should have killed me doing drugs that God watched out for us. He knows our hearts. But what would you say? What What is your opinion now on or your level of trust in the medical community? Well, if pre-COVID, I wasn't already very, very suspicious. I mean, I, I mean, I just feel like the trust in public health in general has essentially been obliterated in this nation. And I mean, I know there's still people that just wholly trust their doctors. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I support people, all people in their pursuit of health, right? I mean, that is what Texans, that is the heart of Texans for Vaccine Choice. We're here to come alongside you support you in your pursuit of health, whether that means you say yes to all of them or no to all of them, that is your choice. We are here to simply make sure that the government stays out of those decisions when it comes to your personal vaccine decisions for yourself and your children, right? This should not be controversial. They, these products simply should not be conditions to participate in society. And that's our ultimate goal is to make them irrelevant to that but but this worship of of the white coats, it's, I mean, COVID. I mean, there's still people that are just kind of part of that COVID cult. I mean, we had senators, you know, just yes, this week I've been kind of nerding out, glued to C-SPAN because there were some significant hearings going on, and Dr. Walensky was up there, and you know, it was just almost psychopathic watching her you know, giggle and smile through her answers when she was just like, well, what I said was generally true, generally true. And I wonder how that would work in a marriage if I'm just generally true with you, Leslie. (laughs) I just, I'm faithful, you know, six days out of the week. When I hear that, I go, you need to hear that and apply that logic. The people that you hear on Tell A Vision are telling you their vision. Even Fox News. All you Republicans out there, oh, man, Fox is it. Now that Tucker's gone, it's not the same. Hey, listen, I don't buy into any of the propaganda anymore. You listen to what they're saying, and when they make statements like that, that, God, it, it, there's no logic, much less truth to what they're saying. So I, I say all this, I, I want to wake people up. I'm... I'm certainly awake. I hope that you're awake. I listen. I know that there's a lot of propaganda, but Rebecca has spent the last five years and she did many of those years, if not all of those years without pay, just to, because she believed in the call and that call includes you. For all the financial people out there, I want to, I want to tell you, I have friends that are super wealthy and you're going to be listening to this. It's time to quit grumbling and complaining and let's put our money where our mouth is and go help. I'm talking about individually, not my nonprofit, individually. Leslie and I are going to make a donation personally to Texans for Vaccine Choice because if I have a guest on and I don't join them financially, I I, I just think it's it's far-sighted because the word tells us where your treasure is, there's your heart. So Rebecca, I want to commend you I want to tell you how grateful I am that you're fighting for all of us. And then I do just want to take a time of prayer and just realize any of the statements that I made today doesn't necessarily reflect what Texan for Vaccine Choice believes. 
and we may have differences, but we've come together on a common ground. So if you're out there today and you, you, you took the jab and you, you, you feel like now, wow, I fell for, for whatever reason, and you're even fighting some symptoms. I want you to go read Psalms 91. It's beautiful. I want you to read Psalms 103 that says, Praise the Lord, all my soul, praise his holy name. Who forgives, don't forget his benefits. That's what the scripture says is don't forget the benefits. Now listen to these. Who forgives all of my sin and heals all of my disease. So I want to pray for you if you're an elderly person, a younger person, a married person, or what, maybe even had your kids vaccinated, as crazy as that might sound, there are people who did that. But I want to pray for you today with no shame, no guilt. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray for every single person that feels like, man, I wish has regret and maybe fear, spirit of fear. We just send you to the feet of Jesus or wherever he commands God's word says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I pray for healing, confidence that comes in Christ. We all have misstepped. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But today, the unbridled story is that Jesus cares, loves, and still walks with us every single day. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Rebecca, it was a joy to meet you. Sarah, always fun. I, I learned so much from you guys, but thanks for being on and sharing. And I have a feeling we'll be having you back as this thing progresses. But thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbridled Live podcast. We know your time is valuable, and we hope we bring real and relevant content that helps you live that unbridled life. If you want to help us spread the message, you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to us and share it with a friend or two. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're doing, head on over to theunbridledlifepodcast.com and learn more.